Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Anything Joe's, a collaborative journey through the world of G.I. Joe. My name is Greg Engel. And I'm Jaron Decker. And we'll be your host today. Today on Anything Joe's, we are talking about Marvel's G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number four. As we slowly make our way through this series, we are learning more and more about individual characters on the original 13's team, and this issue is no exception. So, without further ado, let's pull up the cover and get started. G.I. Joe number four is got the same cover artist, the inker, as the last issue, which is Bob Hall and Al Milgram, who we talked about briefly that I had the pleasure of meeting. These are the only two issues that they did cover work for, and I don't feel as strongly about this cover as I do on the last one, partially because this cover doesn't really represent a lot about the interior of the book, but I still think it's a pretty good cover. I have flip-flopped on it a little bit, but where I hadn't looked at it in quite a while, and I'm looking at the remastered version from the IDW collection, I I feel a little bit stronger about it before. So briefly, this is just kind of a splash image of the team marching forward, kind of shooting in all directions. Hawk is in the lead, and I am making a educated guess that that is Hawk, because they gave him <laughs> some kind of beret, which he doesn't normally wear, but everything else kind of falls in place. And then he's flanked by Snake Eyes and Scarlet. Scarlet, I think, looks really good. Something about her hair is like shampoo ad looking. Yeah. Like it's real floofy. She looks like she could be uh, the, the lady in King Kong. <laughs> yeah. And the Snake Eyes has got his, like, double fisting guns and then kind of prior to that you see a bunch of other characters there's a stalker there's rock and roll i'm not sure if that's that's probably flash he doesn't have his gloves on so i can't tell which one he is <laughs> after those four it gets yeah. know, five it gets a little bit dicey further back not not super sure who the, those green shirts are in the back this is probably something that was designed before the script had come out or where they just kind of were like just make something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and it's that's fine. You know, that it still works. There's explosions going off in the background. They've got like an American flag image kind of faintly showing up and then they're I don't know if they look like they're running on an extremely small planet. <laughs> but I guess it's, <laughs> I guess they're supposed to be heading over the over like a charging the mound or whatever. The uh, one of the things I can't get out of my eyes like out of my head, I guess, is looking at Snake Eyes. He looks like Spider Man, just painted black. He really does. Like his face, the eyes have a real like spotty look to him. I think it's just. I think it's also because there's that picture of Spider Man right to the on the bottom left corner, just because it's a Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. So like those two right next to each other, I'm like man, he could have been. Like that could be a Spider Man suit. You could tell me that was Spider Man. I'd be. I'd believe you. I don't. I, I feel very blackluster about this cover. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it, it doesn't grab me. And certainly, when I think about the first year of covers, this is not one that uh, comes to mind very often. But it's. I mean, it's fine. There are worse covers in the line. I would honestly take a cover with just Scarlet. This version of Scarlet. Just give me. Just just make her bigger. Well, <laughs> buckle in then, because the stuff that IDW puts out now, every single issue seems to have a variant cover where Scarlet's like working out or wearing a swimsuit or <laughs> they really dive into the over-sexualized imagery of the females and that's kind of well that's what i like this one because it's not over-sexualized she's just got big hair yeah but she still looks like she just is a part of the team so let's flip this bad boy open and get started first page operation wingfield written by larry hama plot and art by herb trimpey i don't know if plot specifically means that trimpey did the 
the like overall approach to the book and Larry did the script, which would be unusual, not unusual, but news to me, I guess. Or if I don't know how that works. I don't understand the creation of comics at this time. How much of this story should truly be credited to Herb Trimpey? But it's worth noting that he gets a credit, so he obviously had something to do with it. Jared, I must ask you a question. (laughs) If you could have the most beautiful hair and in any style that you wanted for the rest of your life, but it was a requirement that you also had a mustache like this permanently, would you accept that deal? I would rather be bald than have that mustache. (laughs) Well, let me tell you what it looks like on the other side of that rainbow, buddy. As a bald man, I would wear any hairstyle. If somebody came to me and said, you can have hair forever, but it will have to be the flat top from House Party, that kid in Play War, sign me up, buddy. I would grow this mustache out until I could comb it over my head. Uh, (laughs) So this is our introduction to Vance Wingfield, and he's got this great like strike first logo on his hat he's carrying his gun he says listen up troops this is your weapon nomenclature mic one six it's a five five six mm semi full automatic magazine fed gas powered shoulder fire infantry weapon jaron is our resident weapons expert does does any of that mean anything it does i mean that's that's an m16 it looks like an m16 and five five six is the type of round uh a lot of them nowadays you'll also hear two two three um, that's kind of the standard that was, especially at this time was the standard rifle of the military. So, and, I mean, it's accurate. The only thing I, I wish they did is just give me a Kubrick stare. Like this guy's crazy. <laughs> enough. Yeah. Just, just, just give me a little bit of a Kubrick stare. Give me some wild ass. Yeah. <laughs> he says, you will learn to love it, but first you will learn to respect it small little USA logo there at the bottom of that page, Mm -hmm. which kind of leads to a a bit of a misdirect where you think this would, maybe this is an actual military dude. I, when I, when I read it, I was like, Oh, is this like a new Joe? Maybe (laughs) just, he's just aggressive. Yeah. I think I don't, he does look like a kind of a real tough drill sergeant. Well, in a way, he is, as we'll learn. Yeah. First file by the numbers. Proceed downrange, taking evasive action on the double. Move it out. So you see a big American flag in the background. We've got some recruits all lined up here. He's uh, pointing to the side. They're at a shooting gallery. Except instead of shooting at the shooting gallery, these gentlemen are running in front of the targets. where And where Vance is firing at them to kind of keep them on their toes. I don't know about this, Vance. These recruits are too green. They've only been in training here for a week. Your wife's right, Commander Wingfield. Using live ammo at this stage is too dangerous. You're out of line, Carruthers. And Sherry, when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. I'm not here to wet nurse a gaggle of panty wastes. <laughs> Calling out their numbers, making them run across the shooting gallery, opens fire, shooting at their feet to kind of like make them dance more or less. Number three makes the move, and as he does, he gets shot in the leg and falls to the ground. Carruthers and Sherry go to attend to him and say, I think the bone is shattered. He needs hospital treatment. But Wingfield ain't having that. He knew the risks when he joined us. He'll have to make do with a field dressing and some aspirin. (laughs) So here we are at the end of page two, and you can already kind of establish that Vance Wingfield is a bit of a jerk. Um, A field dressing and some aspirin is it doesn't even suffice for when I wake up without coffee. This dude got shot (laughs) in the leg and has a shattered bone. He's not gonna do so great in the long run i don't think yeah i don't think he's gonna rejoin once he gets better if he ever gets better i don't even know if he's gonna walk again i've been entrusted with the near impossible task of teaching these people how to survive but first they'll have to learn to be hard as hard as me then we cut back further and further until we realize that we're actually watching some kind of film footage as hawk shadow appears on the screen 
Hawk holds his hand up in the air, quiet down, Joe's. Pay attention. The footage you've just seen was shot by the FBI during a routine covert surveillance. General Flagg in the Pentagon press got wind that Commander Wingfield and his self-styled Strike First paramilitary freaks are secretly funded by international terrorists, possibly Cobra. That makes them our responsibility. Interesting turn of a phrase considering that we've already seen G.I. Joe deal with non-Cobra-related threats up to this point. Mm-hmm. Seems like these guys would probably be a fringe enough group to already be on their radar, but I guess the possibility that Cobra's looped in really puts it on their plate. Uh, Clutch says they sound like a bunch of overgrown Boy Scouts playing soldier. Hawk, you want us to go in, take away their guns, and spank them? <laughs> <laughs> Don't underestimate these jokers. Their base in Montana was built to withstand a full frontal assault. And if Cobra's supplying them, they're bound to have some impressive weaponry. Our job is to go in undercover and ascertain the degree of Cobra involvement. Who's going to be the decoy for this one? That's your specialty, Ranger. Besides, you enjoy camping out in the woods with furry animals. So again, another interesting thing to bring up is that (laughs) instead of being called Stalker, they call him Ranger. And this is a pretty easy no prize, more or less, because on the original cards for the G.I. Joes, they used to have their specialty in kind of big print and their code name in smaller print. Mm-hmm. And as most people know, Stalker is a, is a Ranger. That's like his class. So I'm guessing there was a mix-up there. It's interesting that, Jaron, I always let you read the original copies of these, and I am reading the remastered versions, which are... Oh, thanks. Well, the the reason behind that is if they make any changes or variations, this is kind of like the way to do a side-by-side comparison to bring up anything that has changed from the original printing to the current printing. But unfortunately, it seems like they don't make a lot of effort to correct anything like this over the course Mm -hmm. of time. And I can believe that maybe that they just think that even with all its flaws, you know, it's not worth messing with art. Yeah. But... He should be called Stalker. And yeah, I mean, he might. The way I read it was just that he was, like, messing with them. Like, he was saying, that's your specialty. You know, like, you're the ranger. You know, that's the way I read it. Like, um, That's actually a totally good point, that he could just be, like, as the equivalent of saying, that's your specialty, infantry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll buy that. Or send this man a no prize. Do you know what, it, do you know what a no prize is? No, I don't. Okay, so I guess, again, this is one of those things where I forget, as an old man, that there are newcomers that don't. <laughs> In the old days of Marvel Comics, if they made an error in the comic book and a reader wrote in and would be like, just what you did, basically, explains explains away a mistake so it doesn't seem like a mistake, they would send you a thing in the mail called a no prize, which was literally just like a little postcard that was like, here's your no prize. Like, you don't actually win anything, but congratulations. <laughs> and it was like a big it was like a big thing. It was in all Marvel comics for like decades. Like a badge of honor. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I would love to have a no prize, but um, I wasn't smart enough to explain stuff like this away. Well, I'm waiting <laughs> for my no prize, then. Yeah, you'll be waiting for a while. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, at the time of this recording, I went to my comic book shop today, and they were running variant covers, and I picked up a Spider-Man variant cover, and it was called a No Cover, and it's and that's a nod to the No Prize era. It's a blank hmm. cover, like it's pretty clever. That's awesome. Um, one other thing that I would say about that, at least that little bit of line is from uh, what was it, the second issue where you see him like actually out in the woods taking pictures of it. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little callback to that good point okay don't forget that he was out in the woods doing things yeah yeah absolutely he likes he likes furry animals he wasn't shooting them he was shooting them with the camera i also really love this era of just the original 13 guys just cutting up with each other like you really see that these guys have kind of a a social 
connectivity with each other. Mm-hmm. Clutch joking around, and yeah, they're just kind of like getting underneath each other's skin. You don't see that, I don't think, as much anymore, and I, I do. I miss it. I think it's really fun. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that that harkens back to you know people with military service. They always describe it as a brotherhood. You know, the people they served with were family, and you treat your family like this. You know, it's not all serious. You know, you have times where you mess with each other, you play around. So it's kind of cool to get into that kind of scenario where they're just making jokes at each other they're all sitting there i mean most people have been in a big meeting like this and it is just the worst yeah you sure know, you're just sitting there re- getting your your thing your debrief you know <laughs> like and it's just boring so you can cut up and have fun uh, until you get yelled at for this mission we'll use a two-man insertion team with the third man on the outside snake eyes will be the backup man I'll be number one man on the insertion team, and Grunt will be number two. Have fun with the furry animals, Grunt. <laughs> Interesting that Hawk, basically the you know the field commander, has optioned up to be the go-to man in this. But cool because when you look back on this historically, there aren't a lot of stories where Hawk is really in the thick of it, so to speak. Partially because it's pretty early on that Hawk takes a larger position with the Joes, so it makes even less sense for him to like be in a combat scenario, much less an undercover op. So that's another thing I really like about this story. Let's go. I want your gear packed and ready to go in 10 minutes. Get the lead out. I want you unpacked and in formation on the parade grounds in 10 minutes. Grunt and Hawk are now in like civilian clothing. Hey, I already went through this in basic training. Well, you're going through it again. Commander Wingfield will address the new recruits at 1500 hours on the button. They cut to a background shot of the bus where families are unloading and children and uh, women. Grant says, Hawk, some of the new recruits brought their wives and kids with them. Wingfield apparently encourages it. When you have power over a man's family, you have power over the man. So a real like cult mentality here where Wingfield mm-hmm. is not, I mean, he's got, he'll stoop to any low basically to get to his goal. I uh, I like that when it shows them in their civilian clothes. Hawk is in like regular clothes, like you know he's got his top button undone. You can t- see a t-shirt underneath it, and then uh, Grunt's in a full suit, a full purple suit, really yeah. classy, man. It's man, he was he's dressing for the job he wants for sure. <laughs> so Wingfield's giving him a speech. You have taken the first important step towards ensuring the continued existence of your families. Well, I assure you, the second step, your training will be far more difficult. It must be to fully prepare for that most horrible third step, the grim reality of survival after the total collapse of civilization. Her training commences promptly at 0600 hours tomorrow. So it's pretty clear at this point that this is kind of like something that we still see today, kind of like the bunker survivors, like the people that stockpile guns and uh, have a real bizarre grip on reality, for lack of a better descriptor. Mm-hmm. Captain Carruthers will now march you over to the quartermaster shed for field gear and uniform issue. Grunt and Hawk are kind of like already scoping out the place. You see that big building with the ventilators on the roof? That must be the ammo dumper armory. Big fans like that are used to vent off fumes from high explosives. That night, they are awake and reviewing the what they've seen on while they're scoping out the security. The entire camp is enclosed by a hurricane fencing topped with number three barbed wire. Not as good as number four barbed wire, but not as weak as number two barbed wire. There's a reinforced guard tower <laughs> at every corner, another at the main gate, and one more overlooking the airstrip. Did you pace off the intervals between the floodlight masts? One every 50 yards all around the perimeter. Good. We'll run a recon tomorrow night. Now let's sack out. So the first day, they're like at the ground right They've scoped a bunch of stuff out. They have stuff that they need to look into. 
etc etc next morning wingfield's got him doing basic training doing the thing where they climb the wall and he's yelling at him just like a regular you know, drill sergeant would get your face down in that mud trooper mud washes off bullet holes don't don't look down don't look back so they're like they climb the wall they're going through the pipe they're swinging over the water it's your basic american ninja obstacle course i've been imagining music this whole time <laughs> this is the training montage gonna need a montage a montage <laughs> don't stop to help your buddy if he slips and falls his floundering will draw enemy fire and give the patrol time to get away so not exactly the same team building that we were talking about at the earlier issue wingfield has basically got a uh, you're working for me and if you're a weak link then you're out Mm-hmm. They're training with like wooden sticks, uh, like sparring, and Grunt and Hawk are sparring against each other. And he's like, "Take it easy, Grunt. We don't want to look too good at this." Sorry, Hawk. I'll try to do worse. I love that as we see them doing this, they're just like, "Wow, these guys kind of suck at this." <laughs> like, you know, like, like you could like. I feel like as they get here and they start training with them, they're like, "Man, we really shouldn't be worried about these guys." If it wasn't for the fact that Cobra might be involved, they're kind of garbage. So they're like constantly trying to hold back. The mentality here, I think, is that um, basically every G.I. Joe is just like a borderline Captain America waiting to happen, and they are in peak physical <laughs> condition. Keep up the pace. Five more laps around the perimeter wire before breakfast. We'll check out the armory at 2300 hours tonight. These guys are really out of shape. <laughs> yeah, we're holding back as much as we can without being obvious, and we're still leading the pack. Cut two. A pair of binoculars where Snake Eyes is in a tree doing some surveillance on them and is writing, taking notes. Now, this is exceptionally interesting because we very rarely get an internal monologue of Snake Eyes, which means we really don't have a good grasp on what Snake Eyes' voice, for lack of a better term, is sounds like. If Snake Eyes could talk, what? how would Snake Eyes talk? What's his vocabulary like? How... You know, how is he? So this is one of a couple of rare examples where you actually get to hear kind of the interior thoughts of Snake Eyes. Even though it is, even though he is on the job, I think it's still an interesting window into like his psyche. Snake Eyes Recon Report. Observed Hawk and Grunt pretending to be clumsy and slow in a most unconvincing manner. Perimeter too well guarded for daylight penetration. Weakest link in defense is portion of fence directly below flood lamp masts. Four aircraft on landing strip, three F-86 Sabre jet fighters, and one fighter apparently undergoing radio repairs. One B-29 Super Fortress heavy bomber, primitive, but is well within nuclear delivery capacity, exclamation point, must infiltrate and confirm nuclear capability, will penetrate tonight at. So these guys are not like, these guys have got jets, they've got huge planes. It's not outside the realm of possibility that Cobra really is funding these guys because this is some big budget stuff here. Cut to I mean, the nighttime, where Snake Eyes is making his insertion. We'll coordinate wire cutting with highest levels of nocturnal insect noise. So that guy's just kind of got a sense of humor. <laughs> Must memorize location of entryway to facilitate withdrawal. We'll count fence posts between lights. Main objective, location of nuclear device or devices, if any. Unless circumstances yield more profitable intelligence. Snake Eyes over here is two guys talking as they're on patrol. So why is Wingfield calling a meeting so late at night? Must be important. He only invited the top cadre. So Hawk and Grunt are doing their recon that they said they were going to do. And they weren't invited to this ultra hush-hush meeting, but they observed that it's going on at this time. Some kind of meeting. Officers and top honchos only. It's got to be big. Should we? No. We continue on to the armory. Snake Eyes has got this covered. 
So Snake Eyes is like on the building, is basically disassembling it so he can get inside and see what's going on. You can overhear Wingfield uh, briefing these top people. We have come to an impasse, gentlemen. Our activities here have attracted the attention of various government agencies, all of whom consider us to be an embarrassment. Our very will to survive, and all our efforts to that end have roused the ire of the powers that be. They're spying on us even now, conspiring to stamp us out. We must abandon all pretense of defense, gentlemen. We must launch our offensive. Offensive? Impossible. Not impossible, gentlemen. The technicians from Cobra, who installed the silent alarm system that guards our armory, have also provided us with two nuclear warheads. So, A, we do know that Cobra's involved. B, we do know they have two nuclear warheads. And 3C, can't remember which I said. Vance Wingfield is a bald man. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> One warhead will be flown at treetop level in the B-29 to Vladivostok in Russia. Once the bomb is detonated on Russian soil, the Russians will retaliate immediately. The United States will launch its counterattack as soon as it detects the Russian first wave in flight. In effect, World War III will have started. After the swine have wiped each other out, we shall emerge from our well-stocked, fortified shelters beneath this compound to rebuild a new world in our image. The second warhead is buried under our camp in a location known only to Carruthers, my wife, and me. I can arm and set the detonator timer by remote control. Once set, only I can disarm it. If our bombing attempts on Vladivostok fails, we are utterly doomed. Both governments will track us to the ends of the earth. However, if we detonate the bomb here in Montana, the United States will have to assume that the Russians have opted for a retaliatory strike, and, although we will perish in the first blast, the scum that persecute us shall join us at the blast that follow. I was kind of getting into it there for a minute. Yeah, uh, he was he was really monologuing. That is a quite the evil villain monologue, and we got a lot of information <laughs> there at once. So, basically, if you zoned out for all of that, they're going to put a bomb in Russia... And the United States will try to counterattack. They're going to basically start a war between them and Russia, and everybody else is going to get involved because who doesn't love a good war? And like, for those uh, for those that want to know, Vladivostok is a real city. I was confused about it as well because those letters don't look like they should go together in that arrangement, but they do. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that wasn't picked at random, and I'm sure it's probably a huge city in Russia, and I just don't know anything about it. I, I did a quick cursory Google search. It's the biggest, uh, second largest city in East Russia. Oh, right. I didn't know that. I guess I forget that Russia's that big that there's like a distinction, but it's also uh, the biggest port city on the ocean, the Pacific Ocean for them and it had over three million tourists in 2017 hmm. there's your random russian knowledge for the day <laughs> this has been a russian facts with jared <laughs> so, so the second war they buried directly under the facility so if things go poorly they're just gonna blow themselves up basically and with the assumption that that explosion will be mistaken for a retaliatory strike by russia so they basically like this is our plan b it's not going to be great for us because <laughs> we'd be dead, but <laughs> it'll still have accomplished our goal. So cut to the armory where Hawk and Grant are scoping things out. You suppose they've got anything in there besides some surplus M16s and a few boxes of grenades? With Cobra supplying them, they're going to have some heavy hardware, maybe some 50 cal MGs, a few dozen M60s, mortars, or holy Hannah, Montana. <laughs> they, they must have had a sale on tanks at the Cobra job lot, so it's lined with tanks. That's no bargain basement armor. Those are T-60Es, the state-of-the-art in tank technology. I'll lay you two to one that these babies rolled off the assembly line of the People's Heavy Farm Machinery Factory in East Leningrad. You think the Russians are behind this, Hawk? No way. Ivan wouldn't give these dolls to their best buddies. This deal smells like Cobra all the way. Hawk steps on some kind of silent alarm, which is lights up a big 
lot in the where Wingfield and his top brass are, triggers a full alert. Something's triggered a silent alarm in the armory. Have your troops fall out silently. Don't issue weapons. Our perimeter is too secure for this to be anything but an inside job. We don't want to arm anybody we can't trust. Surround the armory, secure all exits and windows, first platoon in through the first uh, in through the front door. And remember, I want prisoners in condition to answer questions. Hear that grunt? Yeah, they're going to go light on us. Thinking maybe we ought to pull our punches too. So now our two little Captain America juniors don't have to hold back anymore. <laughs> and they start slugging it out with these, these fellas. They get down to some serious knuckle, bu- knuckle dusting. Yeah, clear the area. And that's what they do, man. They're wiping these dudes out. Ten minutes later. So ten, they struggle for ten minutes. That has got to be quite the brawl. But they are outnumbered. So not by numbers alone, they finally get pinned down and captured. Commander Wingfield, the intruders put a dozen of our men out of commission, but we have finally subdued them. Do you want to interrogate them now? That would be fruitless. These specimens are obviously very hard. The opposition has seen fit to send in their best. Take them out to the hole and dispose of them. This drastically alters the situation. I'm forced to move up our schedule considerably. Sherry, actuate plan Alpha. Carruthers, suit up and report to the airfield. At the communication shed, Snake Eye sneaks in, takes out their radio technician, takes him out in a weird way. That dude is uh, diagonal. <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it. His knees don't bend for some reason. Snake Eyes is sending out Morse code. Dit, 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 dit. G.I. Joe Command and Center reading you loud and clear, Snake Eyes. You can tell that that's Breaker, not just because he's on communication, but that boy's got some gum in his mouth. Things must be pretty bad there if you're the one that's calling for help. Down in Montana. Awfully nice of them to let us live until sunrise. It's a military tradition, Grunt. Like the blindfold and the last cigarette. That's enough from you two. Walk to the edge of the hole and don't turn around. Well, so much for tradition. Snake Eyes falls out of the tree, knocks these two guys down. Well, that's one tradition I like. The last minute rescue. Snake Eyes could have saved us at any time. He just wanted to see us sweat. The three men compare notes. And then, hey, the bomber's taking off. According to Snake Eyes, that thing's carrying a nuclear warhead, and it's on a bombing run to Russia. So the big plane is on the way, and now they know that that's where the nuke is at. I'm going to the airfield to see what I can do about chasing down that bomber, Hawk says. You and Snake Eyes get back to the armory and keep an eye on Wingfield. Good hunting. Grant and Snake Eyes are scoping out the place. Looks pretty quiet. Always a bad sign. I'll go out and draw their fire. You circle around back and take a quick look-see. Give me two quick signal shots, and I'll lay down cover fire for your withdrawal. Three shots would be will be the signal. Hold fire. Grunt immediately hits the ground as they open fire on him. That was close. That's what I get for talking while sneaking. Wingfield yells, he's behind that rock. Machine gunners lay down a field of fire. So Grunt takes cover behind a rock. Snake Eyes is on the roof. And you just have this long... Where they're drilling at him. Hurry up, Snake Eyes. This rock's not going to last much longer. Not with this pounding. Snake Eyes is peeking down into the building in an incredibly acrobatic ninja pose. Sherry, Plan Alpha is now in effect. You will prepare to arm the women and children at the first sight of a full assault. The children too, Vance? Plan Alpha was purely theoretical. At this outfit, everyone fights. So, I mean, he probably already knew it by now, but Wingfield has no scruples at all. Like, he's completely lacks morals, sending children out into combat. Snake Eyes fires off the three gunshot signal to tell Grunt to hold his fire, knowing now that there are women and children involved. While Hawk at the airfield knocks out a guard, gets in a plane, which he says, now if I can only remember how to fly one of these things. But the tanks are full and the guns are loaded. 
someone starting up the jet that was redlined for radio repairs, which was a some foreshadowing from earlier when Snake Eyes was taking his notes. They open fire on him, but they too slow. Hawk takes to the air and tries to send a radio call out to the GHO team, but the radio, as we just mentioned, is stone cold dead. No way to get help or signal that bomber to turn back. A B-29 doesn't have the range to make it to Moscow. The nearest strategic target is Vladivostok. Now, that's a guy that knows his Russian facts. Over the Pacific coast of Canada, Commander Wingfield, this is Carruthers. I have just passed Vancouver and am on course for primary target. Proceed as directed, but be prepared to take evasive action. The opposition have com- commandeered one of our aircraft. We believe they are aware of your destination. Back to Snake Eyes and Grunt. Snake Eyes, you made it back. I'm sort of glad that that nuclear warhead is on a fast plane traveled away from me and not sending in Montana with us and... Uh-oh, I don't like that look you just flashed me. What does it mean? Well, I guess Snake Eyes forgot to tell them that there is a second nuclear warhead <laughs> buried directly beneath them. So Carruthers and Hawk are in a bit of an air struggle. I can't even radio Carruthers to give him a chance to turn back. All I can do is bracket my shots on the fuel tanks and engines, give him the option to bail out if he wants it. Opens fire on him, lights him up. <laughs> he says, jump Carruthers. But Carruthers is a man of conviction, and the B-29 plunges into the ocean. Back to Wingfield. The transmission line to our bomber just went dead. They've shot down Carruthers. We're finished. Vance, you're not going to... Shut up, Sherry. I know what I'm doing. I'm activating the remote timer. We shall see this through to the end with honor and dignity befitting. One of the women speaks out in the crowd. Wingfield, you're crazy. I don't know what you're babbling about, but I'm taking my kid and I'm walking out of this madhouse. No, you won't. I'll brook no desertions at our greatest hour. Pulls his gun on him. You're undermining the integrity of our final gesture. Ten minutes from now, nothing will matter anymore. I have no reason not to shoot you. Ten minutes? What are you talking about? Oh, trust me. In ten minutes, everything will be resolved. So, no big deal that I guess they didn't know there was a nuclear warhead underneath them. Now that the timer's gone, is on, that's pretty much the end of the line for everybody. Wingfield is sweating here. Like, he knows what's going to happen. And um, maybe he's not second-guessing, but he's in the thick of it now. Sherry, back me up. Sherry goes out to pull her gun. Don't worry, Vance. I know what to do. Points the gun. Shoots Vance in the back. I mean, Wingfield. We're not on personal. I'm not personal (laughs) friends with Vance Wingfield. G.I. Joe team is coming in with the chopper. Like, again, it's called Stalker Ranger. We'll touch down right in front of the main door. There's Grunt and Snake Eyes. They'll take the point with me. Move it out, Joes. We're going in. So the Joes break down the door, and the rest of the team has basically arrived. Stalker's got point. Everyone freeze. Drop your weapons and assume the position now. Hawk, where were you? We thought, I just burned out a jet engine getting back here. Drop the gun, Mrs. Wingfield. It's all over. You don't know how right you are. Before you arrived, my husband activated a 10-minute timer on a nuclear warhead buried under those ammo cases. He was the only one who knew how to deactivate it. It's impossible. It is a little odd that Hawk was able to get back here so fast, but yeah. I guess I guess <laughs> in the interest of wrapping things up, you got to suspend your belief. Yeah, when I got when I was reading this the first time, I was like, "Wait, so was I just wrong?" And that was Grunt the whole time in the airplane. <laughs> like, and then I got to the next page, and I was like, "Wait, no, Grunt's here too." Okay. Lady, impossible doesn't exist where we come from. Just show us where that bomb is buried. Here at the bottom of the shaft. Tell Zap to bring his demolitions kit up here. The control and the remote box will raise the warhead to our level. Zap, 
this is your show now. You've got exactly five minutes. So pretty cool that the rest of the team gets here and that we have like, again, I really like how there are so many specialty focused shows in this era that are available when something like this comes to light. You know, this is Zap's thing, and if you know your original characters, you know in a bomb disposal, Zap would be the guy that they would probably bring in. And Zap puts on his little headphones. He's got a little microphone thingy that he puts on it, and he's he identity knows what it is right away. Standard Type Seven warhead with a simple spoken hub detonator. Give me a hand with the nose cover. The hub contains U-235 and is held in position by four spring-loaded spokes. If it drops, we get critical mass and want a mucho big bang. Grunt, it's your job to hold onto that hub and keep it from dropping while I torch through the spokes. You got that, amigo? I got a zap. Grunt puts his hands on the little orb and starts cutting through the spokes that hold it in place. Jared, you got any uh, nuclear warhead facts for us since you're my weapons guy? <laughs> I wouldn't be touching it. That's all I know. Like, they're like, yeah, just grab it. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really know anything, but man, I feel like maybe grabbing it's not the best thing. I think they'd at least put on a pair of gloves, but I, yeah. guess, I guess time is of the essence. Well, and if you're basically a, a just slightly lesser Captain America, I don't think you're worried about a little bit of extra nuclear radiation. Probably eat it for breakfast, honestly. Zap cuts through the four spokes, and Grunt is struggling with lifting the warhead out. How could such a little gizmo be so heavy? All that's inside is a chip of U-235 the size of a chiclet. The rest of it is solid lead, chrome alloy still bonded with, Lighten up with the science lectures app. My man, Grunt, about to save the world from glowing in the dark. I ain't saving nothing unless you two cut me some slack and give me enough elbow room to lift this detonator away. Pulls it out, and the bomb has been diffused. Good work, Grunt. The tech boys from Aberdeen checked out the warhead. They told me that his shielding was intact. You don't have to worry about decontamination or radiation poisoning. See? No problem. There was never any risk. Text also told me that the timer on the detonator was running fast. It only had three seconds left to go, and you lifted it clear. Whew. Truck, big pickup truck with some scrap is driving around outside. But those locals are sure glad we're on the job. Cut to these locals. Well, Clem, looks like they're moving in some real soldier boys up to the old Wingfield place. Yeah, liquor prices are going to go up, and the sheriff will be setting a speed <laughs> trap again. Best be keeping a close eye on your women folk, too. Pretty uh, <laughs> nice little nod to how the G.I. Joe team takes care of stuff with no recognition. Like, even the locals didn't know what Wingfield was doing up here. And they don't, I mean, they don't do it for fame and glory. They just do it to get it done. And that brings us to the end of issue four. Jaren, what's your thoughts on this issue? I've got one last point on that last page. Yeah, man. I'm really glad that they brought, they referenced Chicklets. Very <laughs> underrated. Just got to say that. I had to make sure that we couldn't pass it without at least mentioning. Um, I actually really liked this issue. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that it was just bad guy of the week again. And I don't know what it was, but I actually really enjoyed this one. Like, I think it's probably partially the, the little bit of jokes, the little bit of cutting up between them, seeing that relationship and the dynamics. Uh, the, the about to save the world from glowing in the dark. One of my favorite lines in any comic book I've read in a while, just mm-hmm. a, just a, a severely underrated one from Ranger, you know, cause that's what they keep calling him. So I guess that's just, I guess my, uh, my no price doesn't work there cause it doesn't make sense in the last time that they call it. So, um, but I, I like this episode or this issue. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, 
I'm excited to see where they go from here. I'm starting to really like these characters, especially as they kind of expand them more. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because even though this one was primarily Hawk and Grunt, there still was time for, you know, a few of the characters to get their little bit of moments. Um, You know, you got Stalker, you got, you know, a few of them there that kind of get their little, they jump in and do their thing and it kind of expands on them. I'm a, this one honestly might be one of my favorites. Yeah. Looking back on this issue, it's not one that I re- have reread, and this is probably the first time I've read it from start to finish in, I mean, over a decade, easily. But I, it really does hold up a little bit better than I was giving it credit for, I think. Interestingly enough, the I can't remember at what point, and it might actually be in the Devil's Due run, but at some point they go back and write in that this camp, which is called the Strike First Training Compound, was actually supposed to be a, a secretly an undercover Cobra recruiting center. So they were a little bit thicker with uh, Cobra influence than they let on at this point. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool that we haven't really had much Joe Cobra interaction. It's kind of, it's got almost like a Cold War vibe, you know, like they're, mm-hmm. they're kind of interacting, but they haven't really come to blows yet. The other thing to note about this is that Vance's son, Tyler Wingfield, who's basically just like an, infant or toddler at this stage would come back in the alternate continuity and devil's do and would once again terrorize the gi joe team briefly and we'll cover that at some point down the road but it's worth bringing up that this would not be the last time that the wingfield legacy would would uh would be referenced last thing i want to talk about before we wrap up because it's something we've been talking about pretty much regularly is that they did release a comic book three-pack of figures with these. And the figures that were included were Zap, Grunt, and yet another Snake Eyes. So we've talked about these briefly every time we reference them. And this is one of the ones that I actually have the biggest issue with. Uh, First of all, because they put another Snake Eyes in here when I'm trying to build the original 13. And secondly, this is the first time that they really deviated from what was a pretty good formula and they put grunt in his what's that what they're calling the strike first outfit which is the name of the compound and and so there is no grunt in just like his regular dress screens basically and i have i have a huge problem with that it really bothers me to this day the snake ass figure is fine because it's just a snake ass figure and i'm even allowed i mean i even accept that Snake Eyes is a figure that sells, so they're like, well, we want to sell these, we'll put another Snake Eyes. And the Snake Eyes that was in issue two is not, that figure is not this figure. They're they're considerably different. This is a just your normal Snake Eyes for your lineup. But not getting that regular green, that like regular military green grunt outfit is a huge pet peeve. I, on top of that, if you look at this figure, he is like barrel chested. Like he is Rob Liefeldian in proportions. So I think this is one of the weaker comic book packs. But I do love that Zap. And he was, you know, they did a great job with these. When you have all these figures together from this set, it is, it looks great. Especially if you're a fan of these original, you know, first couple of years, just the core team. It's arguably one of the best lineups of the OG-13. I mean, obviously, nothing can touch the original vintage. But if you're like me and you like the detail that comes with the modern figure... Uh, the modern lineup, I don't think, c- 
captured the likeness and characteristics of the original 13 as well as this run does. Because these are, are straight up O-ring figures. They just have uh, way more detailed facial sculpts. So anyway, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but uh, I think it's worth bringing up that in these early issues where they were putting out comic book packs for all the single issues, it, uh, these are all cool figures. And if you have them, uh, good on you. And if you don't have them, uh, you can always seek them out. Uh, there's only a couple that are preposterously expensive, but I think as a whole, they're they're worth your time. That's a cool figure. Yeah, they're great. This is one of those ones that I, I need to track down and get because I don't have a grunt yet. They're, they're great. If you can find them loose, they're not crazy expensive. The exception to that is the... There's a Snake Eyes origin issue where they, it's like a Vietnam pack where they're all in their military outfits. And that one, even for me, which I missed originally, was pretty hard to track down. But eventually I'll uh, find all the little pieces I need for it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to do it for another episode of Anything Joe's. We'd like to thank everyone that's listened. Uh, we've been receiving a lot of messages since we announced to go bi weekly, and we greatly appreciate that. Uh, I've said it before, but uh, all feedback is good feedback. We try to be responsive to all that, and we try to respond to everybody that writes to us. So thank you. Keep it coming. We we love it. You can reach us at on Twitter and Instagram at AnythingJoesPod. You can email us directly at AnythingJoesPodcast at gmail.com. You can join our flourishing Facebook group on AnythingJoesPod. And you can find our YouTube channel at AnythingJoes, um, just on under YouTube. Search http colon backslash backslash www.youtube.com <laughs> yeah and that's going to wrap it up for us thanks so much for listening we look forward to talking to you again in two weeks where anything's available for discussion here on anything joe's 